Praise the Lord, everybody. Could we stand together? Let's get our Bibles. We're going to get into the study of Hebrews, and we're going to get right into the word of the Lord. Thank everyone for helping us get the baptistry here pronto. It came in today. So now Sunday, when we baptized those folks, there was an angel, at least one of the folks that was here said they saw an angel hovering over. Anybody okay with angels being in our midst? Praise God. Now someone said, well, how do you know that was an angel? Well, 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 well I, I, I don't know. They said they saw an angel. And then there's more to the story I'm not telling because you, you're not, I'm just not going to go into it. But they saw an angel over the baptistry. And, and I'll tell you why an angel was there. Because I w- we were boiling in the water and the angel came to save us. And so we thank God for that. And uh, it's not every day that you get a, a, a living angel helping you through it. The folks getting baptized couldn't believe it. They were like this, unbelievable. It was so nice. I mean, it was, it was just lovely. But now we're going to have it just right because we got all the stuff. We're getting ready to do all the things that's necessary to get that done. And uh, how many believe we can have revival in our day? Praise God. Now we're studying... Uh, And I want to thank all the folks. What a great crowd we had last night at prayer. And I want to thank you for praying. How many believe that prayer makes the difference? Prayer makes the difference. And prayer is making a difference. And I've got news for the devil. He's a liar. God is going to give us revival. We're believing God for revival. Praise God. And he's going to help us. Now, we're we're into uh, Hebrews chapter 9 tonight. And we're going to read two verses. Uh, And you're going to help me. We're going to summarize. Let me get over there. Summarize Hebrews 8 by looking at two of the key verses, verse 5 and verse 6. And that's going to come up. But I'd like you to read it with me. Uh, We're going to read Hebrews 8 and 5. All right. Shall we read it? Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God. When he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. Praise God. Amen. Now let's read verse six. Now that I, I had a, I heard a couple people reading it with me, but what we'd really like is for everybody to read verse six with us because this is the the key. Verse, are you ready? But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. Amen. I just feel like I got plugged in or something. It's just, it's absolutely amazing. Can we just lift our hands and thank God? Come on, let's praise him. Keep Hebrews open there. Father, thank you for a better covenant. Thank you for the hope you give us and thank you for the word of God, Lord, that we can use each and every day of our lives. It never changes. It's always the same. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said amen. All right, and you may be seated. Thank you, Hebrews Eight and five, the example and shadow of heavenly things. So we could basically say that, and, and this, of course, is the about the first half of chapter nine. That's why we're reviewing it. Chapter eight and the first 10 verses of chapter nine are all about the better covenant. 
And we could summarize it by saying that the better covenant is heaven. Could you say heaven? The better covenant. Now you say, well, it's not the better. The better covenant was. No, no. I, I mean, if you were just summarizing it, you could say that the covenant we made that was made with us or we made with God or he made with us is that we're going to make heaven. How many want to plan to make heaven? Amen. Folks, I want to tell you something. I want to make heaven. Amen. I want to be there. I want to see him. And you know what? I got a feeling it's not going to be long. There are signs all about us that show that we are living in the last days and the coming of the Lord is upon us. And this chapter, chapter 9, which we're about to enter, is talks about it. I want you to see how it brings into the, the whole question of the covenant, the coming of the Lord. And of course, if heaven is our goal and that's the better covenant, you say, well, how, how is it? Why was Israel not the better covenant? Israel, God promised Moses and love old Moses on the mountain. And here's the, the fire on Mount Sinai. Are you saying that the covenant with Moses wasn't good enough? No, no, no. Didn't say that. I'm saying that there is a better covenant. Better even than the law. Better even than what Moses had. Hallelujah. You say, Moses was great. Yes, and that's just how great Jesus is. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than all the prophets. He's greater than John the Baptist. Praise God. A better covenant. And, and of course, all that the tabernacle was, or we could say the temple or the law, but specifically the tabernacle, that's what Hebrews is trying to show us, is the, it's the shadow of, Could you say shadow? Praise God. The shadow of heavenly things. Verse 6, but now he, but but now hath he obtained, that is Jesus, of course, a more excellent ministry. In other words, what happens in a Holy Ghost-filled covenant? is greater than what happened when you obeyed the law or when you took a lamb to the temple. Are we we, uh, suggesting that going to the temple had no value? No, it had all kinds of value. You had to obey God and, and, and obey the law. That was how you understood God. That's how you came, became acquainted with God. But there is a better covenant. When Jesus came, how many are glad Jesus came? Amen. A more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. Praise God, which was, and I'm going to let that go, which was established upon better promises. So the tabernacle and the priesthood then were shadows of heaven. And of course, that's where we're going. Now let's go into chapter nine. I'm going to read verse one. If you'll read verse two, and we're going to go to the next, here we go. Verse, if you follow, you'll see there are five verses and, and, we kind of switch colors so you can tell that we're switching verses. I'm going to read verse 1, and then if you would read verse 2. Here we go. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly, and of course that just simply means earthy, but it, the King James chose worldly, a worldly sanctuary. Read verse 2. For there was made the first wherein candlestick and the table and the showbread which is called the sanctuary we 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 call that of course the holy place and after and i'll read verse three and after the second veil the tabernacle which is called what the holiest of all now would you read verse four which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant
And Aaron's rod that budded. Okay, let's read verse 5 together. And over it the cherubims of glory, showing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. And, of course, that's supposed to say mercy seat, but somebody typed that that is there. All right, so it is that the, the holy place and the holiest of all were vital aspects of the law. If you were going to get a hold of God and you were going to have sins taken care of. Now, we're in a culture people love sinning. We're in a culture where they are proud of it. They want it on the, they want it on the, the latest movie. They want to pl- uh, plaster their sin all over America. They're not the least bit feeling the least bit guilty, partly because we live in a world, a, a nation, where the church has quit preaching against sin. And so we people no longer know. They're scared to death to preach against uh, immorality because the culture has decided that they're going to they're going to not let you be famous and popular if you do that and so people are not doing it. We've got our Congress completely scared to death. No politician dares have a moral platform whatsoever because America is on the decline. And America is in trouble. But church, don't let it be said of us. We need a holy place. We need to be in a holy place. All right, so then barely the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service in earth and an earthly sanctuary that there was a ta- for there was a tabernacle made the first that is the first meaning the first section of the tabernacle which hebrews refers to as the first tabernacle which was not unusual in bible days wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread which is often referred to just as the table of showbread which is called in other words this this uh, this first section is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, once you've come in the front, you come into the, uh, the candlestick and the table, then, and the table of showbread, then the, comes the veil, which here Hebrews is calling the second veil, the tabernacle, which many Jewish people see fine. They, they, they would, this is where they quibble with the, with the, with the Christian Bible. Because that would not be a typically Jewish way to speak of the tabernacle. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. And then in there it says, everyone say, which had the golden censer. Can you see that? Are you still awake? Are you still here? Here we go. Which what? Had the golden censer. All right, one more time. Which? Okay, good. Okay, I heard you that time. What, What happened to my little? Okay, all right. I'm, I'm willing to be boiled, but I do not want to lose my pointer. All right, here we go. Um, now, which had, everyone say had. All right, there's quite a bit of discussion about that in uh, folks that look at Hebrews. And, but I want you to notice something. Okay? Are you willing? Are you awake? Are, did you come to study the Bible or are we just, uh, just burning up and, and uh, <laughs> hallelujah, glory to God. 
Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Why don't we just lift our hands a moment and give him a little bit of praise. Father, we thank you because your word is true. Every word in your Bible, Lord, applies to our heart. We thank you for how it makes us holy and makes us more like you every step of the way. Amen. All right. Now, I want you to, I want you to, I just want to make sure that we see this together. I'm not going to make a big point of it. But I want you to see it because some of you might miss it. And you'd say, well, you never said anything about that. The book of Hebrews says, after the second veil, there's the tabernacle, which they call the holiest of all, which had the golden censer. All right. It says, which had the golden censer, not the golden censer was in the holiest of all. Does it say in or had? It says had. Okay, let's see if we got that. How many over here uh, see that it doesn't say it was in the holiest of all. It says it had the holiest of all. Okay, I want to be sure we understand that. Because there are people that want to argue that that expression means that the The golden censer was in the holiest of all. But it doesn't say it was in the holiest of all. In fact, it was not. The the golden uh, altar was at the veil. It pertained to the holiest of all. It was the furniture of the holiest of all. Because once you begin to, if you were going to have a day of atonement without it, you couldn't even step into the holiest of all. But it was not in it. And it doesn't say that it was in it. So we'll just let that be the end of of that part of the discussion. But it had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant. It's not trying to say what was setting directly inside. It's trying to tell us what was critical to the holiest of all. A golden, the translated censer, I'm I'm not going to go into that, uh, why the King James chose censer. I have no problem with it being called a censer. But of course it was the golden altar. It was a golden altar. And how many knows that we need an altar? Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Well, Brother French believes it. We need an altar. You know, some people think, I think I'll choose whether I need to pray. I'm not sure I even need to pray. What amazes me is that people think that they come to the house of God and they do not need to pray. It absolutely blows my mind. Now, a sinner, I, I get that, or somebody that's not, I mean, of course, they, they're not uh, equipped to determine whether or not they should pray or not and so forth. They're, they're not even in the church. But somebody that's Holy Ghost filled that isn't sure if they ought to pray or not, that, that, that is a, you need to really check your spiritual, um, uh, uh, what are these things called? Not cigarettes, uh, thermometer. I knew you'd get it. You need to check your spiritual thermometer. Because if you don't know whether you ought to pray, I'm going to church, but I'm not sure if I ought to. I'm really too busy. I'm so tired. I am so busy. I don't even have time. Prayer? You think I'm going to pray? I prayed last service. If that's your attitude, you need to check something very, very seriously. Because the way you get into the presence of God is through an altar. Now, I know that outside the tabernacle, there was the, uh, the, 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 the brazen labor and all that. What I'm trying to say is that's an entirely different discussion. We're in now the holiest, I mean the holy place and talking about the holiest of all. If you're going to get into the holy place, then you must have an altar. 
and we'll talk more about it in just a moment. And, and, and then in the covenant, uh, I mean, the Ark of the Covenant it was overlaid round about with gold. Uh, wherein was the golden pot that had manna? And all this, of course, is now gone. And Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. And there were other things. There were censers and so forth that the priests used. But, of course, they had to have all these things setting in the holy place. If So when that curtain opened on the Day of Atonement, they could go in and perform their duties. All of this, of course, was a shadow of heavenly things. And over it were the cherubims of glory showing the uh, shadowing, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, uh, everybody said, praise the Lord. Now, let's look at it for just a moment. Here we have an artist's rendition of the holy place. And, and the thing you see right in the middle, what is that? What, what, is the, uh, what is the piece of furniture that you see right in the middle of the, of the room? The altar of incense. All right, so there you have the altar. And that altar uh, is positioned right at the holiest of all. Of course, it's closed, and, and uh, the fragrance, it was an altar of incense and so forth, which, of course, is just like praise. And that's why praise is so important. Someone said, well, I don't feel really good. But you know what? If you give off the aroma of praise, it's going to make a difference, even though you may not feel really good. You know, I, I've seen saints that were, I, I, I want to be careful how to say, oh, I shouldn't have brought that up. Uh, I don't want to conjure some uh, image here that is not what I intend. But I've seen saints that were uh, very, very ill, very at, at, uh, at their uh, weakest moment. And, uh, and it didn't seem they were even able and they'd open their eyes and then suddenly they would just begin to lift their hand and, and, and give praise to God. And I want to tell you something. I've had nurses just recently. I'm, I'm trying to be careful. I don't want to uh, draw attention to any particular person or embarrass anybody. But uh, I've people from this church that we were in moments that were critical and they just begin to praise God and, and the nurses would begin to weep and, and they would see the hand of... Folks, I want to tell you something. There's something about your praise. Hallelujah. Amen. It's an altar. It's an altar. And so it's, it's the altar. And, and, of course, the shadow that we're going to uh, consider tonight is uh, that I put there is worship. Everybody say worship and prayer, which, of course, really are uh, the same thing. Prayer is a form of worship. And so and they're both critical. And so they go up before God. And, uh, and so it is that what has happened in the holy place are the holy things of God. And we could say that worship needs to be holy. You need to be holy if you're going to worship. You got a holy ghost. You didn't get the ungodly ghost. Nobody ever said, oh, you got the ungodly spirit. Oh, look at me, I got the ungodly spirit. Nobody would run around and say, oh, man, look at me, I got the ungodly spirit. Wouldn't that be crazy? You got the holy ghost. Praise God. Or as they say up in Newfoundland, I got the holy ghost. I got the Holy Ghost. I, I'll never forget. I preached a big meeting up there one year. And they were, I got the Holy Ghost. And I said, what happened to the H on that? And they said, oh, we don't say H's. And then they told me, did I, did I need an air cut? And I said, what happened to the H on that? Anyway, I don't know how we got off on that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. But we need to be holy people. How many knows we need to be holy people? 
Folks, we need to be holy people. You, you don't need a pastor having to chase you all around with man. Oh, what wonder what they're doing over there. Folks, we need to love God. We need to praise God. We need to ask him to make us in his image. I want to be like Jesus. That's what I want to be. I want to be like Jesus. And when I'm not, I want to repent and, and make it right with God. Quit being so holy and so uppity that you can't admit it when you're not what you ought to be. There comes a time when you're, you're not always what you ought to be. Sometimes you just got to say, you know what, I'm not all, I, I wasn't all I ought to be. I should have been, been there, but I, I should have prayed I didn't or whatever. And, you know, whatever happened to, you know, if I, when I think of the great trait of Jesus, you know what I think of? I think of, I know miracles, all that. You know what I think of? I think of humility. When I think of Jesus, I think of the, the humblest. I mean, he, they crucified him and he never, he brought him into the king of the whole place and he didn't even open his mouth. They beat him, they, they, uh, blood running down his face. He could have, the, it, Matthew got so upset about it and I, I sympathize, I mean, I uh, empathize with Matthew because Matthew said he could have called 10,000 angels, but he, but he didn't. And the psalmist even prophesied, he, he, could, he could, if he even dashed his foot against the stone. So we need to be like him. Everybody understand? We need to be like Jesus. Praise God. So if you know somebody that's like Jesus, then live like that. You say, well, I never met Jesus. Well, read about it and find people that are like him and live like that because that's the will of God. And then, of course, the the candlestick, how many see that over to the left, is like, of course, it was a seven-pronged. All of these things are amazing and wonderful. I'm going to move quickly. I'm, I'm almost done with this section. But uh, we do want to read verse six. Uh, here let me see if that's correct I, I see several typos I've got to talk to my typist and now when these things were this that is verse 6 alright so um, the candlestick the light of the candlestick is folks listen you need to read your Bibles but you don't need to win a marathon doing it Someone said, I want to read the whole Bible. That's good. You ought to. That's wonderful. It's marvelous. But even more important than that would be to understand what you are reading. That would be important, too. I'm not, I'm not trying to pit the two against each other. I'm simply saying that there are people who... Uh, do not allow the spirit to do the work in them. For example, there are a lot of people reading the Bible. Now, we, we got a world right now, folks. I don't know if you know it or not. There's a lot of people nervous about what's happening in our world. And I don't just mean uh, bombs and, and killers and so forth. I mean, they're nervous about the world. They're worried about America. They're worried about the country that we live in. They're worried about our freedoms. And I, I'm hearing it more today than I've ever heard it in my life. And there's good reason. Because we're living in a fastly backsliding nation where things that are shocking suddenly become the order of the day. But if you will allow the spirit to illuminate 
the word in your life so that when you read the Bible, how many ever, when's the last time? I know it's been, I'm not trying to judge it. I'm trying to say, you need to read the Bible with tears running down your face. You need to, when you pray, it shouldn't be, our Father which art in heaven, I'll be the name of the kingdom of the world, on earth is in heaven. It, it should not be a, a race to see how quick you can get so you can go to the, uh, to, to, to the, uh, Dairy Queen or something. It ought to be when you pray, you should pray with fervor. When you read the Bible, you should read the Bible for understanding. Let the Spirit give enrichment and illumination to what is happening in your life. You would be surprised. Hallelujah. I've had PhD uh, uh, famous theologians tell me, oh, what, what you have, but that doesn't make, that's not even. And one uh, guy came, a big uh, a uh, Hebrew expert, whatever he was, I'm trying to be as nebulous as possible because I realize now that I'm uh, meddling. And uh, he said, that's not in the Bible. That, that, that particular view, doesn't. that's not biblically correct. I said, why, why would you say that? I'm talking about the name of Jesus. And he was saying, well, the name of Jesus, you know, it's, it's really not. You, know, you make too much of the name. And so I said, well, uh, we were looking particularly at... at uh, Philippians chapter 2, and, and I was a, uh, I don't want to explain too much about it because I don't want you to know when this happened. And, and so they, uh, they said to me that when it says his, he's given him a name which is above every name, they were saying, well, it's not above every name. And I said, uh, well, you know, I'm just one of those dumb apostolics. When the Bible says it's above every, above every name, above, above there it is, above, who pair, above every name. That the Bible means it's above every name. And they said, well, no, 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 listen, tell me, you're, you're, you know, you're this and you're trying to flatter me a little. And, uh, and, and it couldn't be, for example, above the name of the Father, right? I said, well, it says it's above every name. If you mean by that dative that it's above the name father because the name father is not a name at all. So it's above that. The name of Jesus, everyone say of Jesus. We, in other words, we were in a whole debate about whether of meant, uh, what of even meant. Folks, you're really into it when you're debating what of means. The name of Jesus or do you mean the name Jesus? Do you need an of there or not an of there? And, and, I, and I begin to say, well, you know what? I want to tell you something. I was in a moment. Sister French and I were in, uh, uh, was it rain or snow? I forget. And, and we were up near Chicago and we were coming, <laughs> and we were, uh, we were coming along and all of a sudden uh, someone pulled in front of us. And uh, we couldn't stop. There was absolutely nothing we could do. And I told my professor this. This, well, now I've just given it all away. And so I said to him, we instantly cried out, Jesus. That's all we did. Sister French screamed it so loud, I almost did have a wreck. I mean, you would have thought Jesus was the loudest name in all of Chicago. And when... I, I was I didn't I couldn't was it snow or was it rain? It was snow in Chicago? Oh no, I'm just kidding. Um anyway. And when we opened our eyes, I was kind of like trying to when I looked up, the car that has been over here was over there. We both said, What happened? 
And he said, the professor said, because he lived there too. He said, uh, are you suggesting? I said, I'm not suggesting anything. The car was there. We said, Jesus, split second, and the car was there. That's, I, I'm not suggesting anything. I mean, you, he, I know he wanted me to say, the, the Lord took that car. and uh, No, no, I didn't say that. I said we were at a moment we couldn't have stopped it ourselves. And all we did, we didn't say Buddha and we didn't say some other name. All we had to do was say Jesus. Hallelujah. So there is a name. Hallelujah. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's something about letting the Spirit guide your love of the Bible. Don't let anybody rob you of your love for the truth. Just like people today, they're nitpicking on holiness. Well, I, why couldn't you wear that? You could wear that. I mean, nobody's even going to see you. You could wear that. I mean, nothing the Bible says you couldn't do that. Nitpick. And you say, well, yes, but the Bible. Well, do you, you sure that it meant? That's the kind of world we're in. And then next thing you know, you can be a homosexual. You can lie. You can cheat. You can steal. And, and everything. In the, there's nothing in the Bible that's sacred anymore. But to us... It is sacred. Hallelujah. Oh, we need the spirit. Let the oil of your glory fill the candlestick and let it live, Lord, and enlighten our lives. Praise God. Amen. So let's read verse 6. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. Now, most translations would have put there Not that that matters, but I just want you to know the reason I underlined always is because it's a word that means continually. They had to keep coming back. And that becomes important because Jesus died once and for all. He doesn't have to keep dying over and over. Now, let's read verse 7 together. Do you have your Bibles there? Verse, oh, praise God. Could we just praise him one more time? Could we just give him some praise right now? Father, thank you for your spirit. Help us, Lord, to be all that we can be. Lord, help us to reach a world. Don't let anything keep us from loving your word. And we praise you. Okay, we've got to move quickly now. Uh, The second tabernacle or the holiest of all, verse 7. We're going to read this together. Is it up here? Okay, here we go. But into the second went the high priest alone all right let's stop there all right so that's important to of course the bible but it's important to uh, the writer of hebrews i'm going to say paul now i'm going to start saying paul went into the into the second into the second went the high priest alone it would say alone see that's important because that's how limited the priest was and he's going to bring this up again. And then once every year. So he had to keep going back. Always had to go back. Which meant there was never a perfection. Everybody say perfection. Because that's the Hebrews word. That is they never could get it taken care of. How many are glad he took your sins away? I'm so glad he took my sins away. Where is that song by the way? That's not. I don't have that. Who, uh, Sister Pinder, I, I just happened to think the Holy Ghost just moved on me. I've been doing hymns now for a good little bit, and I don't have that song. He took my sins away. 
He took my sins away and keeps me singing. I don't have that. All right. Well, see, that's the Holy Ghost moving right now. We need to find it. Sister Pinder, help me if we can, uh, if we can find He took my sins away. I, I was going to, I don't remember who wrote that, but it's, a, it's an old hymn. Anybody remember it? Anybody ever heard it? He took my sins away. Oh, hallelujah. I'm so glad He took my sins away. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. He took our sins away. And, and, and let me tell you something else. He t- <laughs> oh, yeah, I came to Jesus where he and said, he took my sins away. That's got to be in the songbook. See if that's in our hymnal, and I'm just overlooking it. All right? Because uh, page what? See, the Holy Ghost is speaking right now to us. Tell me that number again. 261. See, you ask... And it shall be given. I don't, maybe, uh, maybe we have done it, but it has been a long, a long time. So, so it is. God, we don't have to keep going back and say, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner again. I'm murdering again. I'm smoking again. I'm lying again. And let me tell you something, folks. I know folks backslide. I'm not, not trying to say that, that uh, listen, folks, if you don't keep the light of the Spirit and the Word of God and you don't let the Word of God be central in your life, you're going to have trouble. But thank you, Jesus. Hey, somebody in this building that's had the Holy Ghost for 20 years, why don't you stand up and say, I'm one of them. Hallelujah. If you had the Holy Ghost for 30 years, why don't you wave your hand and say, I've had the Holy Ghost for 30 years. Praise God. Amen. Amen. In other words, that's important to, to, because really the theme of Hebrews is you have to be careful not to backslide. These, uh, these Christian Jewish priests were now thinking of going back into Judaism. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without what? Blood, which he offered for himself, everyone say himself, and for the heirs of the people. All right? So it is that we need to, to see. And, of course, you could see from that uh, photo. I don't know where I got this. Uh, I like that. I know it's a little Sunday schoolish, but I like that picture. So I went ahead and used it. But um, something about the way that priest is, doesn't, doesn't that give you the sense that he's, humbled he's fearful he's uh i mean you know every time the priest oh lord i want to tell you something america you need to begin to fear your god instead of thinking it makes no difference and you can do hey there is a point of no return and america needs to return now while they still can all right now let's keep going now let's look at verse eight nine and ten and here's where he's going to pick up uh, one, two, three. All right, let's read three verses. I'm going to read verse one. You read what's in the yellow there. That'd be verse nine. The Holy Ghost this signifying that the way into the holiest of all, that is the way you would really get into the real holiest place. In other words, where you didn't have to go back and do it over and over. Well, that was not yet made manifest. While as the first tabernacle. Now, this is interesting. I forgot to. uh, This would be a very uh, interesting discussion. Why, if the first tabernacle was yet standing, that you could not know the way into the holiest of all. But would you read verse 9? Here we go. Which was a figure for the time then present 
in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So it is that people come into the house of God and the sanctuary, the tabernacle, as I like to refer to it. And they, someone just Sunday morning, um, I forget when during after the service, but one of the guests, I think it was, just just grabbed me like this. I don't know them. I don't know their name. I just, they grabbed me and I was trying to say hello and see if I could get their name and try to get it to lodge in my mind. And, and they grabbed me like this and tears running down their face. And she said, Pastor, I have never, ever felt God like I felt God this morning. I will be back. And, you know, sometimes people say that and they're just being polite. I know that. But I want to tell you that lady was not just being polite. She was expressing the very fact that something was getting a hold of her. That's what the holiest of holies does to a person. Of course, we mean spiritually the Holy Ghost. When they begin to feel the Holy Ghost because it actually changes our conscience. That's why hypocrites, that's why hypocrites are the most vile thing in the world in the house of God. When, when folks are in church and they're, and they're claiming one thing and they're cheating on their wife and they're, they're hiding and they're, they're, and they're, uh, what's the, don't tell me the word, but there's a word for it. I don't know for sure what it is, but I'm going to just stick with hypocrite for a minute. And, and that's what they are. They're hypocrites. That is the vilest thing to bring into the presence of God. You say, Brother French, you're trying to say we have to be perfect. No, I'm not trying to say you have to be perfect. I'm trying to say that the perfection of the Spirit needs to be ever in your conscience. So you may say, well, I, I really shouldn't have gone there, but I let the Holy Ghost work on your life. Someone said, well, I'm tempted. I just want to do that. When my mother first got the Holy Ghost, she said, listen, tell me, I can't go to church with you because I can't give up cigarettes. I've tried. I can't do it. And I was just this young kid, really. And I said, but mom, you don't, you don't have to because God is going to do it. When you get the Holy Ghost, he's going to take that from you. And that's one of the great testimonies that my mother has. Of course, it's been years and years ago. But even today, she loves to, and she's 83, she loves to tell about how God filled her with the Holy Ghost and took the desire for that away. Just like that. We serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Now, um, did we read verse 9? Yes. Pertaining to the conscience. All right, I'm trying to get past it. Here we go. Verse 10, uh, which, let's read, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and cardinal ordinances imposed on them until. In other words, the law was, the, uh, the Hebrews uses the word imposed, which I know a few Jewish friends that, you know, when, and with, if they're really a friend, you can talk about things and, and they're not thin-skinned. And, uh, and this word imposed, in other words, you're saying the law was imposed and, and that almost sounds harsh or like the law was 
bad or something like that. The law was not bad. The law was imperfect, but it was not bad. Everybody following me? Everybody say, praise the Lord. Moses didn't make a mistake. There was a covenant. It was real, but it was imperfect. But there is a perfect Savior. Hallelujah. Does anybody know that he's a wonder? Hallelujah. We have a Savior, and he's a wonder. Hallelujah. He's a mighty wonder. And so it was imposed on them until the time of the Reformation. In other words, the time when you were going to be born again of water and spirit. And so let's go to verse 11. Now we're changing gears altogether. So if you grab your Bibles, let's do some reading. We'll do it real quick. We're going to look at the, the whole question of why it can only be in Christ. There can be no salvation. For example, how did the law save anyone? It couldn't. The law saved them because Jesus died for them. So it made valid everything that took place. Every time they took a, a let's say a, a, let's say an oxen, which was common. That's of course what was used on the Day of Atonement. When they took the oxen and they took its blood, they would sprinkle the blood. All the things that they did to the priest, high priest, would take it into the holiest of holies. And, and that blood, that, the blood of that oxen had no power whatsoever. Except it was obedience. It was like faith. It's almost like faith. In fact, Paul argues it was faith. Paul says everything they were doing back there was by faith. Noah built a boat. How? By faith. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. God is good. To them, and he's good to us. And it was all through Jesus Christ. They didn't know him. They never saw him. And I've never seen him. But I know him because he's filled me with his spirit. Praise God. How many are thankful that you're filled with this spirit tonight? Okay, I'm, I'm going to read verse uh, 11. You read verse 12. But Christ being come as an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, that is the heavens, all that's going on in heaven, not made with hands. It's not, that is to say, not of this building. Everyone say building, which is the Greek word Christis, which means creation. Now, Building is fine, and King James went with it, but it's simply the word creation. You create it or you build it, it's the same exact word. But, of course, what, what Paul is getting at here is that it was not part of this created order. It, this is the heavenly order. It's beyond this world. Praise God. Does anybody feel the Holy Ghost here tonight? It's beyond this created order. You say, well, how does it break in here? Well, how do you get a call from China on your cell phone? So quit bugging me about how God can be in heaven and here too. Anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Neither, okay, you read uh, verse 12. Here we go. Neither by blood of goats and calves. Oh, oh my, hallelujah. And so not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. What an amazing uh, imagery. Because you see, he was not just the... (laughs) I'm trying to hurry. He was not just the high priest that carried the blood beyond the veil. 
He was also the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And he offered his blood. And by his, here, by his own blood. If I say by his own blood. It's what the King James says. I'm not going to quibble with it. By his own blood. He entered in. By his own blood. By his, I would say by his own blood. So let's not quibble with it. It does say it. And I'm accepting that. That's as fine as you're going to get. By his own blood, he entered in. Hallelujah. And so it was that great final day of atonement. Now let's keep going. Let's read uh, verse 13. Would you read? uh, Let me go back. I'll read. I'll read verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify it through the purifying of the flesh. In other words, if, if all of that could do anything at all, which it did, of course, it did something. It sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. You could take uh, the, you could, uh, the ashes of an heifer. Oh, my goodness. I, you could take the ashes of a heifer. I, if anything, we're honoring the Jewish faith that they could literally take the ashes and sprinkle those ashes. Right now, the, this whole discussion about the ashes of the red heifer and all the discussion about when the temple, will there ever be a Jewish temple and so on. All right, so, so it is. That it, the, the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. So let's, let's read 14, shall we, together? How much more? Who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now that that question right there is an entire volume. I simply, uh, if I pause long here, we cannot get done in the next couple of minutes. And so I will move ahead But how many are thankful that God is able to purge your conscience and give you a new heart? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And if not, I want to ask you a question. What in the world is it that you're putting your trust in? Uh, Is it uh, sports? Is it money? Is it uh, the politics i mean if any of those are your answer then i i i beg of you to put your trust in the god that offered himself a sacrifice on your behalf and trust him you say i don't understand you don't have to understand everything but put your trust in jesus praise god can we just clap our hands and thank god for the precious blood of jesus christ That allows us to serve the living God. Verse 15. And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament. Now there we come. We are right. If we we had to stop. I'm not stopping yet. But if we had to stop. We could stop here. For this cause he is the mediator. Praise God. He was the guarantor over in chapter 7, verse 22. He is the guarantee. He is the guarantee because he has a a divine priesthood from Melchizedek. It came from God and it is a guarantee. Devil, you listen to me. You listen to me. You have no right here. You have no authority here. 
We have a guarantee that our neighbors can be delivered from sin. They can receive the Holy Ghost. They can be changed by the hand of God. So he is our guarantor. But he is also the mediator. (laughs) It's as though the lamb that was placed at the day of atonement and the blood that was offered, Jesus became the mediation. And every time the devil says they're not worthy, they used to smoke, and and you look at them, they look how weak they are. And he's our mediation. That blood keeps flowing. And when you cry out, Jesus, wash my sins. Help me, Jesus. I want to be more like you. All of a sudden, the devils have to back off. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's time you get to praying more, and you'll get closer to him than you've ever been before. Praise God. Someone asked me, I forget if it was drugs or cigarettes, something like that. I'm trying to think who this was. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, Anyway, uh, what do I do, Brother French? What do I do? I'm so tempted. I said, oh, 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 it's tough. Oh, it's tough. It's really tough. Oh, I know it's tough. Oh, Brother French, I'm tempted. I just want to do it again. I said, well, the answer is tough. The answer is tough. They looked at me like I was a wild man. I said, the answer is going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind. What you've got to do. They looked at me like a raven. I mean, uh, I mean, they were just crazed. I'm exaggerating just a teeny bit, but they were, I mean, they were looking at me. Not a whole lot. Just a, just a tiny bit there. I was trying to get the effect. But they did look at me really crazy like. And they said, Brother Rich, what is it? What do I got to do? I said, it's going to be hard. It's hard. It's tough. What is it? I said, it's pray. That's what you do. Pray. 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 Yeah. When that old thing comes back on you and you feel that old spirit, you just start to pray and you start talking to God. You say, oh, wait, but, but I, 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 yes, sir, that's what you do. You begin to call on your mediation. Plead the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody. Let's give him some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. For the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. And everyone said amen. Verse 16, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. If you have a will and testament, see, now we switch words on you, but I don't have time to go too far into that, but we were talking about a covenant. We're calling it the New Testament, but that word was covenant. And now we've switched to an almost identical but separate word, and that's the word testament, because now we want to think of it in terms of a will. 
a will and testament. And so if you're going to have a will before you get what's in it, what has to happen? Someone has to die. For a testament is a force after men are dead. In other words, it's not until they are dead that you receive the testament. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Now, I would suggest this is a powerful oneness scripture because the one who made the covenant was God, Yahweh, Jehovah, Lord of hosts. How many know him tonight? Hallelujah. And of course, the one that died, as Hebrews tell us, was the son, which of course is another proof that he who was the father was the son. He became the son. He was the invisible spirit, but he took on human flesh. He robed himself and he tasted death, Hebrews 2, 9, for every man. Everyone said amen. Now let's look at verse 18. Uh, well, here we go. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. And then we're going to skip a few verses. But verse 19, Moses took the blood. Everyone say, took the blood. So Moses was, there was blood all through. Of course, everyone knows that. Verse 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. And of course, we, that is true on both the heavenly and the earthly. That if there were no blood, then there was no Forgiveness, many would translate it. I like remission myself. 9.23, it was therefore necessary that the pattern of things uh, is that in, is it supposed to be in, Brother French? Are you following me or are you just reading from here? I think it's in, but I've typed wrong. In the, I, I can't believe two mistakes. In the heavens should be purified with these. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices. And so it is with Jesus. So without Jesus, we had no chance of entering heaven. In spite of our unworthiness, he made a way for us to make it to heaven. Could we just lift our hands and thank God for making a way for us making a way for us. Hallelujah. Lord, I wasn't worthy. I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have no way to get in. Nothing, 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 Lord. Not my money, not my education. Nothing, my fame, nothing, Lord. Nothing would allow me in, but you made a way for me. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. I think that is amazing. He would have had to suffer from the very beginning. But no, no, we have a much better ministry. We have a mediator that took only one drop of his precious blood and it would cleanse for all eternity. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to take away sin by the sacrifice 
of himself. One more thing I wanted to draw from it is over in the corner by the throne there. And, and I've used an empty throne for a reason, but, but just, just let me do it. The, the fact that Christ enters into the heavenly holy place alone is not for long because his point in entering is that we are going to follow. Everybody say praise the Lord. And that's why you need to be holy now, folks. I'm telling you. You say, well, I struggle with this. I struggle with that. Well, okay. Welcome. Welcome. Nice to meet you. But uh, you need to live holy. If you're going to go to a holy city, you need to be holy. You need to ser- you serve a holy God and you have his Holy Spirit. You need to be holy. In fact, I begin to wonder sometimes when folks refuse to love holiness if they have the Holy Ghost at all. Or maybe they had it and, they, and, and they're holy, but the wrong spelling. And the Holy Ghost is leaking out of them. They've got holes, and so they're holy. But let's read verse 27 together. Here we go. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So it is that he only has to die once. He did die once. He didn't have to come back and then do it again, get another Savior. No, just, just one Savior. So let's read verse 28. Let's stand. Let's stand. I, I, I think we're, we're there. Here we go. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Here it is. This is how holiness, getting into the presence of God, is all about the coming of Jesus. And by the way, look at that little, what's in light, light blue. God himself could legitimately offer Christ. It says, so Christ once offered was once offered. Everyone say once offered. Christ was once offered. So God himself could legitimately offer Christ because God himself was literally God or Jesus was God in the flesh. That's why he could offer Christ. I couldn't tell my son, you must do thus and so. That's another person. But that's not what we have in the Father and the Son in Christ. God himself became the man. So let's read verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. In other words, if you're going to heaven, which we're planning on it, we need to be looking for him. Everybody say, praise the Lord. I wonder if we could pray for loved ones that may not be ready to meet the Lord. Let's ask God to send a spirit of holiness, the power of the spirit. Come on, let's lift our hands together. Father, thank you tonight, Lord, for the courage to serve God in in dark days. We thank you, Lord, that all about us is Egypt and the Pharaoh, and yet you are giving the church the power to have revival. Lord, we give you praise because our loved ones are being convicted by the Spirit of God. They may not know what to do with it, and they may even be running from it, but you are talking to them. And so now we pray that you will draw them to your presence, O God, and help them to be ready before it's too late. We give you praise in Jesus' name.